lightning. Inspirational. Powerfully refining. Powerfully refining. And unapologetically controversial. Conversations with the Royal Impress. The entire world knows the secret of who you are. Now is the time to step into your queendom and become the Royal Empress that you're meant to be. One woman at a time. Conversations with the Royal Empress. Now Akiba, she's the analytical Empress. Akima, she's the Empress that will challenge you. Now, straighten up your crown and be elevated through conversation. Conversation with the Royal Empress. Welcome to Conversations with the Royal Empress. I'm Akila, and joining me is my co-host, my sister from another mister, <laughs> Dr. Hakima. And in this episode, we are discussing emergency preparedness and what that looks like for Black people. We are joined by Olumenji, who happens to be a CERT instructor with an expertise in emergency preparedness and trauma. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. And thank you, ladies. My and pleasure. <laughs> and just a brief um, bio about Olumenji. Olumenji is a retired 40-year veteran of health, education, and wellness. He, is all, he was also a former professor at the Center for Inner City Studies located in Chicago. He is a CERT instructor, and CERT meaning Community Emergency Response Team. And he also has tremendous expertise <laughs> in emergency preparedness and trauma. So welcome again. And is there anything you'd like to add to that? Uh, no, uh, just that today I am speaking for myself. I am not speaking for any organization, et cetera, because they have their own spokespeople. I'm just simply speaking as a private uh, citizen out here. Uh, so I just want to make that clear. So some of the things that I say are my own opinions and they're not reflective of anybody else. Just my viewpoint uh, based on what I know. Yes, sir. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and to um, enlighten our community um, on emergency preparedness. I feel like there's so many things that, that have gone on and that are going on and we need to be more emergency preparedness minded. Like we need to really um, understand what that means and what that means for black people. Um, can you just kind of tell us what is emergency preparedness? Well, emergency preparedness is, uh, I don't know if you've ever been a Girl Scout, Brownie, Boy Scout, but the old adage is always be prepared because there's always unexpected events 
that are around the corner, or maybe they've been waiting there all the time for the proper set of conditions or preconditions to uh, manifest themselves. For example, no one would have ever expected that you would have had a pandemic that's lasted almost for a year, year and a half. That's an estimated time. And uh, But then there were people who saw that, who observed that. And so what the COVID exposed more than anything else is the lack of preparedness uh, for a lot of different things in this country. And particularly in communities where people aren't healthy, um, because they don't, they they have not been, or they do not have uh, consistent access to healthcare. Um, and so, when we talk about emergency preparedness, we're saying if you're out on the road and your tire blows and you don't have a tire arm or a lug wrench or a jack, then you're just stuck out in the road in the bush. And then let's say that it snows and you don't have a blanket. And let's say that you did not fill up your gas tank. And so you're running the heat because you're trying to stay warm because you don't have a blanket because you're stuck on the road. And so now uh, your car runs out of fuel and there you are. Uh, you haven't eaten, you don't have water, and so you're at the mercy of the elements, you're at the mercy of the road until someone, and let's say you're in an area where your phone goes out. So how do you deal with that? Well, one, you have a lug wrench that works, you have a jack, you have a tire that uh, is adequate and appropriate to carry your car, you have uh, a full gas tank. You have maybe uh, two phones, okay? Uh, because maybe one is just not working because the battery is down, but you've tried to meet the contingencies that are possible in that environment. I mean, the world is a good place, but the world also has hazards, it has risks, um, it has complications, and you wanna be able to respond to that appropriately for purposes of your survival and, be, and your well-being. So when we say emergency preparedness, what are the things that you need to survive? Or what are the things that you need so that uh, your well-being is not impacted negatively and that it eventually not only can you survive but you can thrive in a hazardous uh, a high risk environment so that means that we have to prepare we have to receive training that's number one number two we have to train people who are around us family members colleagues friends neighbors because nine out of 10 times, uh, if you do have an emergency, it is going to be with people who you probably know. That does not deny that there will not be strangers and others. But I mean, if you're on the job, that's your colleagues. Or if you're a shop owner, uh, that's your workers. Uh, if you're at home, that's your family. 
if you're in your community, it's your neighbors and neighborhood. So uh, the stronger and the more the the more expertise that all of these various levels of people have, then that increases your odds to be able to survive and thrive in a bad way. Okay, in a bad situation rather. So when we when, when we say emergency preparedness, we mean skills, we mean um, um, that a lot and knowledge that allow us to address uh, high risk situations, uh, situations that just pop up out of nowhere, and we have to respond to them, and we're capable of responding to it because we have some type of training that it, um, addresses um, those types of situations, which are becoming more and more common. Um, and, and I guess uh, in particular with the black community, why is it imp so important for us as a people? Well, it's important to us because there's a history, what some people would say white supremacy, white hegemony, that um, impacts us also because we're the lowest on the totem pole. Um, we have needs that we're not always able to meet. And uh, we, our ancestors knew about this notion of survival. Let's go back to cotton matter. Uh, cotton matter, M-A-T-H-E-R, I do believe. Cotton is cotton, the, the material. Uh, there were there were fevers in the New England, and they did not know how to remedy those, but some of the African slaves did, relative to um, certain herbs, certain remedies, and Cotton Manor called on them, and the African people, as usual, assisted. Uh, only to be accused later on down the line of probably being the people who started a fever. Now, there's no way you can start a fever unless, of course, you give people infected of blankets like Lord um, uh, Jeffrey Amherst did to the indigenous people in, the, uh, um, uh, in Massachusetts. He gave them blankets infected with smallpox. So, we're, we, you know, Whatever your communities were before the disaster, they get worse after the disaster or they get better after the disaster or they stay the same after the disaster. People who are wealthy, they have the insurance, the this, the that, to be able to rebuild. Think about the people who are constantly getting burned out in California and they go right back. Well, if you've been to some of those areas, that's some beautiful country overlooking the ocean, in the wooded areas, mountains, hills, uh, but they go right back to that um, because they can, where somebody else might get wiped out the first time and now what? Now what are they able to do? So on the front end, we need to get into this uh, with uh, trying to be able to respond in a way that's going to ensure our well-being. We have sick people in our houses. So if we don't have medicine, if we haven't prepared for a, uh, for a contingency, uh, such as uh, let's say that the lights go out 
And that means your refrigerator goes out. And if you don't have uh, uh, or know how to hold on to that coal in that refrigerator, uh, it's not going to be forever, but it's as simple as uh, uh, keeping the door closed and not always opening it. You know, you go in, you get it one time because you're trying to preserve that chill for that medicine that that person has to have. Other than that, you've wasted that medicine. But let's say that you saved some money and you bought extra medicine, okay? Or you found something that was comparable but did not require refrigeration, but it would do the same thing as refrigerated medicine. And these are things that have to be discussed with doctors and uh, people who, who can best tell you how to do that. But the fact that you ask, the fact that you are searching out the information with the ultimate idea that I'll have that extra stuff so grandma, auntie, uh, 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 or uh, mother, uh, they don't have to worry about that because we've taken care of that. Or maybe if you have a home, you have a generator, okay, where you can at least run the refrigerator. You cut off the TV, uh, you'll cut off maybe your internet uh, because you can't run full load on the generator, but you can run enough where you can preserve your foodstuffs, maybe your freezer, maybe uh, um, keeping your water um, going. So this is what we mean when we say emergency preparedness. We mean that we are, we're, we're trying to prepare as much as possible for the unexpected mm. and that we have a skill set to match that, okay, as much as we can. Different areas have different types of emergencies, okay? If you're out on California, there's always a joke of when California going to fall off in the ocean <laughs> because, it's, because it's an area that has a lot of earthquakes, okay, and fault lines. So uh, the, the, if you live in those areas, then you have to prepare for that because anything, any contingency can happen and occur. Just like in Chicago or Chicago Metro, Illinois, we're in a, we're in a cold zone, okay? So um, um, just think if we have the big number one storm, snow, sleet, ice, sub below, sub below zero temperatures, rain, uh, power lines down, what are the consequences of that for people? Imagine people who, who live on the ocean, live in lakes uh, or rather rivers, and they overflow and their houses are on there. Think about Katrina. I mean, Katrina should be a lesson for black folks. And then what about Rita, uh, where uh, same saying uh, in New York and Newark, people being stuck in buildings. So I'm just saying we have to develop skill sets that allow us to cope and handle our circumstances so that our well-being is held intact and so that we try not to lose anybody, uh, family, friends, colleagues, associates, et cetera, neighbors, et cetera, because we prepare, we organize with intention. This is about intention. This is not about just rhetoric. It's about having the intention 
that we're going to do everything necessary for our preservation as a block, as a family, as individuals. How do we prepare? Well, I think one of the greatest ways of preparing is to do a self-assessment of your family, of yourselves. What are your needs? What would be your needs if you had an emergency? So if you have sick people, that's medication, maybe. It might be um, uh, if they're on tanks. Uh, um, so what are the needs that are necessary to minimize um, the infringement on their well-being, that they're able to maintain and sustain them, themselves during this rest, during this rest, uh, um, during this time period. So, so doing the self-assessment then will tell you what your needs are. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is training. Now, I recommend CERT for three reasons. First, it's free. It's on the internet. They do physical classes, okay? This is free and accurate and correct information that, uh, if used wisely, increase your, your capacity to meet this emergency situation. So I recommend CERT, and CERT is the Community Emergency Response Team, which is a volunteer body of people who are trained to support first responders, okay? And uh, because uh, in California and LA, they discovered that in many cases, before the first responders get there, civilians are already there. Now, just think if the civilians knew what to do, then that could be of help to first responders, particularly when you're talking about mass uh, casualties and things of that nature, okay? Um, CERT keeps up with the latest um, uh, techniques and technologies. They've just re uh, revised the old manual uh, instructors. Uh, they're doing a hybrid now out of the University of Utah, which means that you do 12 hours of, of uh, online work, and then you'll do the 15 or 16 hours worth of uh, hands-on. So you learn how to use a fire extinguisher. You learn how to turn off your cold water. Just things that we may think we know but we may not know them properly. And it may create a problem for us that we don't necessarily need to have. And the third thing is, is that uh, it gets you with other people who are like-minded, okay? Uh, um, uh, because the thing we wanna do is expand expertise. We just don't want to hold it in the hands of a few people. We want to have as many people as we possibly can to uh, learn these things that CERT teaches. The other thing is, is training. FEMA has a site, and you can just Google it, where they have all kinds of independent study courses that would allow you to become very informed. Okay? And so, 
I think CERT is a good way to go. I think FEMA's independent study program is a good way to go to learn how the government has with its academics and its fire departments and first responders, how they've kind of come up. These are some of the things to do. Now, I also think that you have to look at other places and find other places to get other information so that you build on the platform that you secure it from CERT. So I recommend people um, uh, do CERT training. And w the way that you contact your CERT office is probably through your Office of Emergency Management, okay? And see if they offer the course, if not, who within the structure um, um, uh, has the course. So. Uh, um, I think the other thing is, is setting aside a budget, you know, putting money aside uh, uh, to make sure that the tires fit and not just a donut, a real tire, okay? Because donuts only last for a certain amount of time or a certain distance. And you want a real tire on there. You want uh, um, um, uh, to make sure that your jack is what it's supposed to be. And you need to know how to use that because even though you two are co-emperors, no one, there's, no, there's not a, um, necessarily a chivalrous night to come and get you in the middle of the night <laughs> and you stuck out in the road. <laughs> so, to know how to use these things and do these things, ensure survival, ensure your well-being. Um, so um, that's what I would say, and that you become a lifelong learner in this, and you make sure that your family is drilled. It's as simple as if there's a fire, okay, what do we do? Most people die not from the fire, but from smoke inhalation. So to know what to do to have a system that if we've got six people in the house, uh, we cross the street. We don't stay because we want to be out of the fire department's way and we want to check to make sure we got everybody. So if they ask, is everybody out of the house? Yes, everybody's out of the house. Or no, we're missing one, okay? So these are one of the things I think that they should be teaching in schools and it's too bad that they don't. And that's home economics. Yes, yes. I mean, people need to know how to build pantries. Like your grandmama, your great aunt, these women knew how to stretch a dollar. And they and you always had food. Now that didn't mean that you there were not times when you had grub versus a good meal. We all know grub time. Oatmeal in the morning, oatmeal in the evening, oatmeal at supper time or cream of wheat day in, day out, or rice in the morning, rice in the evening, rice is up. And they had their own creativity about how to make it appealing, but it was designed just to fill your belly so that you could get out and have energy enough to do what you needed to do, whether school work or uh, just working around the house. So we need to know how to build pantries. Um, um, we need to have... Um, uh, um, uh, a way in which we can consistently have vegetables. So people who are homeowners 
Maybe they should look into growing their own food. And then canning. I think these are things that people need to know because you can go into some supermarkets and you'll look at the shelves. There's hardly any food there. So what would happen if people panicked and went into panic buying? How would that impact you? It's always better to get started before um, before the masses uh, uh, start going in and buying because with the way that these supply lines are set up, it takes a long time for them to refill in these supermarkets. Case in point, during the COVID, they didn't have enough masks, they didn't have enough alcohol wipes, they didn't have enough Lysol, they didn't have, I mean, bleach. And then when they got it, they placed a limit on people. Why not have that in your house just as a matter of course? Okay. The other thing is, is that we've got to get healthy. You know, we've got to walk. Um, we've, we've, we've got to stretch. Uh, we just have to do things that keep us well. We need to go see a, a physician, a doctor. Um, uh, so that we can stay well, so that when these things come, we have the our immune systems as such that we can fight against um, these diseases and uh, or these uh, plagues or these viruses. Because just don't think because COVID, uh, people think COVID is gone because it's warm. We don't know what's around the corner. And so the the thing that allowed people to survive as long as they have is their immune systems. I mean, that's one of the greatest things that nature has given us. And we have to do everything in our capacity to get as healthy as we can so that we give our immune system the greatest uh, opportunity to protect us uh, per our exposures. Then you have to have, in my view, your own public health rules. And that means how you deal with the public for your health. (laughs) So uh, you have to teach your kids and family members that when you sneeze, you turn, you tuck your head into your elbow or your, uh, your arm, your arm so that the, um, the waste that sprays out does not get into the air and people then breathe that in. That's important because it seems people have forgotten those type of manners. Okay. And it's important because if you sneeze and I breathe it in, then I've just got exposed to what you have, whatever it is. And if it's nothing, I still got exposed to nothing. So, We've got to teach a form of disaster etiquette as part of our public uh, public uh, health. Uh, the wearing of shoes in house, because you don't know what you tracked in. And some things you don't want where, especially if you have children, um, they stumble, they fall, they get exposed to it. The, the point I'm trying to make is you want to minimize exposures to those things that are detriment, that are a detriment, that will have an impact 
on your health and well-being. I think the other thing is, is making sure that uh, when people come in, they have a routine that allows them to decontaminate. And for some people, they'll laugh at this and they'll say, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, they'll just think that it's paranoia, but it's not paranoia because for some things, you don't know what people have been exposed to. And if you if you don't know that and you take it home with you, your home should be a sanctuary, a secure, safe environment that because you all with intention have taken the precautions necessary that when people come into your house, they're safe, as safe as it possibly can be. Uh, whether it's mass, um, um, uh, you know, you leave your shoes at the door, you have a decontamination station, which is the bathroom and, you know, or the basement or whatever, and you put all your junk in a bag until you get a chance to really do a good, solid, washing of this stuff. And it's all relative to what you're exposed to on a daily basis. If you're in a constant eye of the public, then you want to be extra safe because you don't know what the public has. One of the things that w was discovered with COVID that there were people who had the virus but didn't know they were a virus and they were acting as spreaders. So, I mean, we, 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 we have to do everything that we can uh, and there are places that are sanctuaries, your house, your office. You have to make sure that you have masks. I think people should stock up on masks, paper masks. I prefer cloth masks because you can wash them, okay? But you should have paper masks too. You should have hand sanitizer. You should have scrub brush to scrub fingernails and things like this because we pick up all kinds of things. I mean, it could be you just on a counter and before that somebody sneezed on the counter and they haven't had a chance to wipe it yet. Well, you just got exposed to um, whatever it is that this individual had per that counter. Now, I don't wanna sound like an alarmist, but it's just, we've forgotten nature's ways, okay? And uh, sneezing, coughing, all of these things put things out into the atmosphere that people breathe. And we want to minimize that because in doing that, it lessens the opportunity for our well-being and health to be impacted. Like what yes. type of, as far as uh, emergency preparedness in people's homes, what type of foods? should they be storing? I know you mentioned canning, you know, canning and growing foods, but what type of food should someone have in their homes in order to prepare for, to be prepared? That's why I talked about early on uh, pantries. Now, if you go back to the old schools when you all were little princesses before you became co-empresses, or emperor, <laughs> okay. Uh, your grandmother, mother, auntie from the old schools, she had stables. It might have been cornmeal, it might have been flour, might have been salt, sugar, um, beans, 
navy beans, uh, pencil beans, you know, just different stuff that was stable. Uh, so stuff that she could quickly make a meal. So you could take beans, make it a soup. You could take beans, make it a salad. You could take beans with rice, with cornbread, and people will have a meal with either lemonade or tea or something like this. So I'm saying it's relative to what you eat. Uh, you want to have water. Take water and boil it. Okay. There's a group out in Utah called the Mormons. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the Mormons, but as part of their religious duty, Mormon families have to store food. And that's probably because in their tradition, they were always being chased out. So they said, well, we better have food so that we can survive in a hostile environment. I would urge people to simply go to the Mormon website and just see what manuals that they have relative to food. Because you talked, as you shed light on what we need as far as food, you know, dry goods. Um, what what type of supplies? I, I was always taught, you know, you got to have batteries, you got to have flashlights, you got to have fire, fire extinguishers. Absolutely. What's, what other type of supplies should we have in our house to be prepared for emergency preparedness? Well, I think that everybody should carry a flashlight, should have a flashlight in the car. You should have several throughout the heights, throughout the house. You should have lanterns that light up the house. I'm talking about battery powered lanterns that you have in your house so that when the lights go out, you go to lanterns. When those go out, you go to batteries, I mean, to uh, flashlights. And there are flashlights that are extremely, you want the flashlights with the highest lumens, but not flashlights that as you use them, they get extremely hot. So you gotta look for that. You want high lumens, and lumens are nothing but candlelight. So uh, definitely batteries. Um, now, some people prefer to recharge their batteries. Okay, that's fine, but what happens if you don't have electricity? So, for me, it's always balanced, but, and you definitely need a fire extinguisher. So, you need one uh, on your bedroom's floors. You need one down in your kitchen, in your basement, uh, perhaps even in your living room. So if there's a fire, there are plenty of, and everybody needs to know how to utilize those fire extinguishers, and everybody needs to keep those fire extinguishers current, okay, and have them checked so that they can be recharged, so that if you, when you do have a fire, you're not using something that doesn't have foam or whatever, and we need to know the classifications of fires, okay, so that you get something that's appropriate to handle uh, the fires in your house. I would also say blankets and people warm in case your heat goes out. I would even say get you a wool blanket. I'm not talking about the scratchy can, but you could look for military blankets, okay? Uh, soft wool or, or uh, semi-woolen, wool socks, semi-woolen, long drawers, long underwear. I mean, because you need to have that. Um, and I mean, this is why if you prepare, you have a chance to shop the way you want to shop, as opposed to if you're not prepared, you have to react and just buy 
what's there. You should have tools, hammer, uh, uh, nails, screwdriver, saw, those things that if something happens in the house and you all have to uh, do some work, you've got the tools to do that. So what I'm saying to you is, is you have to have a system. And that system is based on the way you live. And then, of course, making sure that your transportation is workable, it's functioning, it's in good repair, and you know everything you need to know about your transportation. The other thing is, is to set up within your family communications lines. And what does that mean? It means that when I call you, you call three people, four people, five people. Maybe we all get on a conference call and do a check-in. And having cash. Yes. So I'm saying you want to have cash, some cash. Now, you don't just, some things you just don't discuss in your, outside of your household because, as Billy Holiday would say, it's nobody's business if I do. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you, and, and you're right. On that note, we're going to go to our challenges. <laughs> okay. Now, you, but you All know, right. I'm going to say this, though. I, I, our challenge is based off everything you was teaching. I got like two pages full of notes. So I know our listeners is like, oh, I got I to gotta listen to this one again because I got to finish writing notes. But our number one challenge is, Always be prepared because you don't know what's going to happen. Challenge number two is get you some emergency preparedness training. It is not everyone else's responsibility to make sure that you're okay. You and your family's okay. It's your responsibility. Be prepared. Next thing is once you get that training, you need to go ahead and train others because we're going to rise together and we're going to thrive together, but we're going to suffer together if, if not one of us knows. If one of us knows, we pass that knowledge on. Challenge number four, do a self-assessment. Who's sick in your house? What's needed in your house? Who needs medication? Those are important things because if you cannot leave your house and there are people in the house that need uh, medicated re medication refilled, there's going to be some people dying in your house. So you need to really do a self-assessment on what is needed how much dry food you need, how much water you need. Do you need to go buy a generator? Those are things you need to be doing a self-assessment of and or discussing in your household. Challenge number five is get you some CERT training. It's free. You ain't even got to pay for it. You can go to the University of Utah uh, online and check out their training. You can go to various different um, entities for their training. You can go to Office of Emergency Management get you some cert training. And the last one is we always got a budget for these Jordans. We always got a budget for whatever. We need to set up a budget for our emergency preparedness. And those are my challenges. We can go on, but those are it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and there was one other thing that I'd like to add, if I may. Sure, yes, go sir. ahead. And that is that I think that people should acquire a skill use of firearms um, in order to be able to protect themselves. Amen to that. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't mean to get hung up on it, but I just mean that if you're traveling 
and you know that you're out on the road by yourself, you should have means to protect yourself. And, uh, and, and particularly training in situational awareness, okay, but also how to protect yourself. Because there are predators that exist. Protect yourself and your family uh, and then have the wisdom to continuously train. So my suggestion is is conceal and carry before um, you won't be able to do conceal and carry here in the state of Illinois. Mm. I want to thank you again for joining us and giving us a wealth of information to share with our listeners. Is there anything that you want to leave the audience with before we close out? I just want to say uh, we have to take care of each other. We have to be vigilant. We have to build up these communities and we got to work with these young people. Um, they all ain't, they're all not bad. It's just a few of the little knuckleheads that, uh, <laughs> that are stuck. And we just need to work with our young people because they are our future. And if you don't have young, if you don't have children, you have no future. When you die, that's it. So um, that's all I have to say. And it's been my pleasure, ladies, of being able to speak before your throne room and say <laughs> what I do. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. And thank you listeners for joining us for another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress and we'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation. For more information on the Royal Empress, please visit the website royalempress.org. You can also follow the Royal Empress on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Conversations with the Royal Empress is a subsidiary of the Royal Empress Organization. All rights reserved.